Uh, we're going to be reading this morning from Psalm 121, a psalm very well known to many of you, I'm sure. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going, both now and forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You know, I've known that psalm probably all my life. But in the last year, it has become intensely important to me because it was a, a very hard year. Long before COVID came along, my dear mom, 94 years old, alert, healthy, still walking a mile a day, suddenly slipped into dementia. And then she slipped and fell and broke her hip. My siblings and I went to work to find nursing care for her and then a long-term care dementia unit. And that's where she slipped and fell again and broke her shoulder. And when she fell that time, she also hit her head. And two weeks later, she died of blunt force trauma to the brain. I have to tell you, that was hard. But then it got difficult all over again when, as her oldest child, I was assigned the job of being executor of her estate. Anybody out here ever had to do that? then you know how hard it is to get your loved one's money out of the hands of banks and insurance companies and investment companies and the United States government. I needed help. And I didn't know where to find it. During that time, two songs kept cycling through my mind. Two very well-known songs. One of them goes like this. When I was younger, so much younger than today, I never needed anybody help in any way. But now, these days are gone. I'm not so self-assured. You know, I've changed my mind and I've opened up the door. Help me if you can. I'm feeling down. I do appreciate you being around. Help me get my feet back on the ground. Won't you please, please help me? And everybody sing together the chorus. No, no. Help, I need somebody. Help, not just anybody. You know, I need somebody. Help. Singers. The Beatles, obviously. The second song... I knew long before I ever heard the Beatles sing. It's from the Bible. I knew it very well because from as, as long as I can remember in church, my preacher stood up on the pulpit and he looked out at us and he said, I lift up mine eyes to the hills. And I lived in Denver, so I literally thought of 
lifting up your eyes to the mountains. From whence cometh my help? We talked King James English back then. My help cometh from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I've known that song forever. But now it has new meaning to me, and I'd like to share that new meaning with you. The Beatles were singing the cry of humanity. Help, I need somebody, not just anybody. And Psalm 121 sings the Bible's answer. I say sings because, of course, Psalm 121 is one of the songs of ascent. If you have your Bible with you, you'll see that little title above Psalm 121. It's one of 15 songs the Israelites sang as they marched upward to Jerusalem for their annual religious festivals where they came into the presence of God. As they marched along, they looked up into the hills surrounding them. The King James Version has them looking up for help. The hills, particularly Mount Zion, is where Yahweh dwelt. I lift up mine eyes to the hills, from whence cometh my help? Other translations, the New International that I read today, have the Israelites looking up into the hills which are a source of danger. As they marched along up to Jerusalem into the presence of God, they were aware that there was danger in them thar hills. What kind of danger? Well, bandits, for one. Remember the story of the Good Samaritan that Jesus told? About the man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, not up, but down. He's set upon by bandits who beat him and strip him and rob him and leave him for dead. There's bandits in those hills. But if you read Psalm 121 a little more carefully, you'll find a, a deeper, more spiritual meaning of danger. Those words about God neither slumbering nor sleeping reminded me of that battle between Elijah and the prophets of Baal up on Mount Carmel. Remember that? Elijah mocks them when he says, hey, maybe Baal is sleeping. Baal was a nature god, god of thunder and rain and fertility. The nature gods slept during the wintertime and then their dev devotees had to awaken them when it was spring so they would come and rain and the, and the crops would grow. Israelites passed through Baal territory on the way into the presence of God. And the psalmist says, our God, <laughs> the one we're going to see, does not slumber or sleep. Baal and gods like him were a danger to the Israelites. And then at the end of the psalm, there's those words about the sun and the moon. The sun will not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. I wonder, I wonder if that's a reference to the gods of the sun and the moon who are worshipped on hilltop shrines. All over the ancient Near East, they worshipped the sun and the moon up on the hills. And maybe the psalmist is saying, don't worry that those gods are greater than your God. I mean, you're a little nation. Those are great nations. But the sun cannot smite you. The moon cannot smite you because your God is greater. 
another way to think about Psalm 121. I thought about how that all might apply to us, and, and obviously we are surrounded by bandits of every kind. I mean, you don't think about that very often until something happens to you. My wife and I were in, in Louisville, Kentucky a year ago, almost exactly a year ago, visiting my son, watching his, his daughter play in the state championship field hockey game. Yes, I was a little proud. But on the way back, it was a night game to our car in the dark, dark parking lot. We were horrified to discover that someone had smashed in the right rear window our car and 23 others. They'd taken my wife's wallet with her driver's license, credit cards, insurance cards, all of her private information. And I have to tell you, we felt helpless. We didn't know what to do next. And if that kind of thing hasn't happened to you, well then another robber has happened to you. All over the world, we've been robbed of health and wealth and, in some cases, life, liberty, by that nasty little robber called the coronavirus. And we feel helpless. I mentioned when my mother went through all of that and I had to do all the legal work connected to finding health care and, and getting her estate out of other people's hands, how, how helpless I felt. There were times I felt like I was battling the principalities and powers that Paul talks about in Ephesians all the time. Now, usually we think of the principalities and powers as being demons or angels that we have to battle, but as I went through all that, I, I wondered if maybe he was also thinking about things like the Roman government, about multinational companies and, and agencies and files and forms and faceless people who, who seemed intent on keeping me from getting what was hers. I felt helpless in the face of the principalities and powers. Well, I'm sure you have your own bandits and bureaucracies that you have to deal with and you feel helpless. With the psalmist, we ask, where does our help come from? The Bible in Psalm 121 gives a, a deceptively simple and deeply personal response. My help comes from the Lord, the creator of heaven and earth. My help, not our help. Oftentimes you hear the Bible talk about the community, the nation, you know, that's important. We're in this together. But here he says, my help. I thought about that. In this world of, what is it, eight billion people, I have a personal helper. My help comes from the Lord. Very special word there. It's, it's not my sweet Lord of the Beatles or the Lord of country music. It is the word Yahweh. We used to say it Jehovah. It's really Yahweh in the Hebrew. The name God uses when he wants to remind his people that he is their covenant God. 
The God who is our helper is not some generic God, no face, no name, no personality, more a, a, a force or an idea than a person. No, our God is the God who has reached down into human history and taken by the hand a group of sinners. And he said to them, I will not let you go. Our God, our helper, is the God who has actually entered history in person to help us, to save us. Our God is a God, as we just sang, who will not let us go. The very next words of Psalm 121 remind us of the power of our helper. The Lord is the maker of heaven and earth. He's not a regional God, only effective over here in America. He's not a nature God of thunder and lightning. He's the God of all nature, of all regions. He is, says the psalmist, the creator of heaven and earth. That's a biblical way of saying the universe. The creator of the cosmos. Not only does he care about us as we journey into his presence through these dangerous hills, he has the power to keep us safe so that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, I'm very well aware of the fact that Psalm 121 doesn't mention Jesus at all. How could it? It's a thousand years till his birth. And yet, isn't Jesus the, the, the ultimate expression of the love and power of God coming together to save us? I love the way Martin Luther put it in his magnificent Reformation hymn. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper, he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing, for still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great, and armed with cruel hate on earth is not his equal. Did we in our own strength confide, our striving would be losing. Were not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. You ask who that may be? Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord Sabaoth, his name. From age to age the same. And he must win the battle. He must win the battle. So we know that we will arrive safely at our destination in the presence of God. Psalm 121 says that over and over again. You'll be safe. You'll be safe. But folks, think about that. Is that a little troubling? The psalm says, He will not let your foot slip. But my mom's foot slipped, and she died. And your foot has slipped. The psalm says, he will not let harm come upon you. Is anybody here this morning that hasn't had harm hit your life? What do we make of, of, of this offer, this promise that God 
will help us and, and keep us safe. What kind of help is the psalmist talking about? Well, if you read it carefully again later today, you'll find that there's a theme that runs through it. He watches over. Five times it says that. He watches over. He watches over. What can that mean? Well, let me tell you a story that might help you to think about that. The story comes from a book by Jonathan Saffron Four, entitled Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close. The main character in the book is uh, a nine-year-old New Yorker named Oscar Schell, whose father was killed in the 9-11 terrorist attacks. Understandably, he, he is terribly upset by the loss of his father. He'll never see his dad again. He's, he's, he's just beside himself. And so when he finds a key in an envelope in a vase on the top shelf of his father's closet, he's overjoyed. The envelope is marked black, the name Black. And he's convinced that somewhere in New York there's a person named Black who has a lock into which that key will fit and Oscar will discover something wonderful about his father that will help him remember his dad as he, as he gets older. And so all by himself, nine-year-old Oscar Shell sets out to find that lock into which the key fits. He gets a telephone book with all of the blacks in New York, gets a city map, and he sets out to find the black who owns the lock that the key will open. All by himself. I, as I read the book, I kept getting worried, more and more worried for the kid in that big city, all by himself. And I wondered, with some irritation, where in the world his mother was when he was doing this. Well, through a, a crazy set of circumstances, Oscar discovers that the key had nothing to do with his father at all. It was just in that vase that his father bought in a rummage sale, and took home and put up there and forgot. Oscar was so furious, he, he tore apart everything that had to do with his search. And that's when he and, and we, the readers, discover that his mother had been with him all along. She knew what he was doing, and she had a phone book, and she called every black in the book to tell him what he was doing. Adam Black, Adrian Black, Alana Black, down through the alphabet. She was always a week ahead of him. She would call ahead and say, Oscar's coming. Will you please be nice to him? She gave Oscar the freedom to conduct his search. It's something he needed to do. But she was watching over him all along. She knew that he had to do it. But she didn't let him go alone. She called ahead and made appointments. So they were waiting. Now, I don't know if that, that helps you. It, it, it helped me to think about what it might mean that God is watching over us, going ahead, making appointments. That kind of helps, doesn't it? But that doesn't get to the depth of God's help. 
To find the depth, you have to go to the heights of those mountains at the beginning of Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help. I thought about all of the mountains in Israel's history. They're all over the ancient Near East, most of them in Israel in the Promised Land. Places where Yahweh did mighty things to save his people. The first one I could think of was Mount Ararat, where Noah's Ark came to rest. And God began the history of the human race all over again. And then there was Mount Moriah, on which Abraham sacrificed his son almost and received a redoubled covenant blessing. There's Mount Sinai where, where God gave his liberated people the law that would keep them free. Mount Nebo where Moses was given a view of the promised land that he couldn't enter. There's the Mount called Carmel where Elijah and the prophets of Baal fought and Yahweh won. There was that mountain where Jesus gave the sermon that outlined kingdom living. The Mount of Transfiguration where the glory of God in the body of Jesus burst forth in one bright and shining moment. And of course, there was that hill called Golgotha where Jesus accomplished our redemption. And the hill from which he ascended after he told his disciples, go into all the world and make sure that those people in Granville hear the gospel. So they're in church on Sunday morning. I think about those hills and it makes me realize that God watching over us means more than going ahead and setting up appointments. It means that every single step of the way, God is intimately, passionately, painfully with us. Not watching over from a distance, but walking with us in our pain. Let me put it starkly. The God who commanded Abraham to sacrifice his beloved son on Mount Moriah, surely the most awful thing God has ever asked one of his children to do is the same God who did sacrifice his son, his beloved son on Mount Calvary. Surely, the most awesome thing God has ever done for his children. Because of that sacrifice, we can be sure that nothing in all this universe can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. The Lord Jesus watches over our coming and our going, both now 
and forevermore. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we praise you for being our helper amid the flood of mortal ills, and you prevail. Oh God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come, be thou our guide while troubles last, and our eternal home. In Christ's name, amen. invite you to stand and sing.
Good. As the Israelites traveled through the wilderness and as they traveled up to Jerusalem, they always traveled under the word that God gave to the priests to say. They're the same words I say to you today. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen.